that reads through the Bible every year. By the time you get to Ezekiel, you kind of get kind of get bogged down a little bit when it comes to measuring the temple and so on. And so I thought if I if I'm going to uh, preach on a scripture that you're not too familiar with this morning, I could go to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 47, and we'll start with verse 1. Maybe we could stand for the reading. That'll let you get unstuck from the pew. I'm sorry it's so hot in here. One day we'll have air conditioning or something. We can believe God, can't we? Amen. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the other side, outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. Then when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters came up to my ankles. Again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The waters came up to my knees. Again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water, came up to my waist. Again he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me to, to the return and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned, there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and on the other. Then he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there. For they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that the fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to Engelum. Boy, that, some of these words, you, you, you just your tongue won't roll over them. And that's one of them. They will be placed uh, places for spreading the nets. Their fish will be the same kind as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. 
but its swamps and the marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their waters flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be food and their leaves for medicine. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you add your blessing to the reading of the Word. We ask God that your Holy Spirit might quicken us this morning, that our ears might be in tune with what the Spirit is saying, that our hearts might be receptive, that we might receive what the Spirit has said, and that, God, we might grow thereby, that we might be edified as a body of Christ, that we might receive that heavenly manna that would cause us to be full to overflowing, that, God, as we go from this place this morning, we would go out saying, it was good that we came to the house of the Lord. Father, may your anointing be upon this congregation and upon this pastor that uh, it may, your word may go forth with power in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, if you were to look at a map of, in fact, I think we have a map here. If you were to look at this map of the Palestine area, Israel and Judah, you'll realize that there's no river that flows from east to west or from west to east. The river is coming down from the uh, from, from the uh, north and it's coming down into the Dead Sea and that's where it stops. Now what he is saying, I looked up one of them I could find in my uh, book of maps, and Engidai is right here on the Dead Sea. And what he's saying is there's going to come out of Jerusalem, now Jerusalem's right up here just about on the, the border of Benjamin, and there's going to come waters flowing from, uh, out from under the altar, it's going to be flowing to the sea, and there's going to be waters flowing to the great sea. So there's going to be waters, it's going to be the same kind of fish in the Dead Sea, it's going to come to life, and there's going to be uh, many fish in this Dead Sea, this old dead thing is going to come to life. I see this mystical river, which is going to be, I believe, is going to be fulfilled during the millennium. I believe that there will actually be, during the millennial period, when Jesus is ruling and reigning upon uh, Mount Zion, when his feet touches down on the Mount of Olives, there's, there's gonna, it's going to split from east to west, and uh, you're going to have this flowing out from the uh, temple, you're going to have fresh 
living waters flowing. But I also believe that this mystical river is, a, is full of prophetic uh, significance to us today. Now, I don't want to lose you here because if you don't understand that I'm talking about a, 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 a thing that's in the spirit realm right now rather than in the physical realm, you're going to get lost as I go on. Uh, I believe that, like I said, in the time of the millennial, this is going to take place. And if you want to look over at Zechariah uh, chapter 14, you'll find that in Zechariah 14, And verse 8, Zechariah talks about this same living water. He says, In that day, and that tells me that he's talking about a certain day. I believe he's talking about the day of the Lord. I think he's talking about when Jesus comes to rule and reign upon this earth. In that day, it shall be that living water shall flow from Jerusalem, not from the from the sea into to the land or vice versa, it's going to flow out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and half of them toward the western sea. And as we saw in verse 9 of chapter 47 of Ezekiel, there's going to be all kinds of life there because wherever this living water goes, life springs up. And this river can also be regarded now as a emblem or as a as symbolic of something that's in the spiritual realm. And I believe that it, in the spiritual realm it talks of the fullness of Christ, the gospel of Christ. It came out from Jerusalem, and like, like these living waters, wherever the gospel message is preached, life comes forth. Also, I believe it's uh, an emblem of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And wherever the Spirit, the spirit is, uh, uh, is sometimes looked at as water, uh, the washing of the water by the word and so forth. And, and so it's a, it's a, water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, I believe that this is also talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So let's think of it in the realms of the outpouring of the gospel or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And let's look at the river. First of all, this river, it's free. It's spontaneous. It, uh, if you look at the source, it comes out under the threshold of the temple, as it says here in verse 1. It comes from the holy of holies. It comes from that most holy place, and it flows out from under the temple. And in the holy place, as George was uh, teaching us in the adult class this morning, in that holy place was the mercy seat. And 
above the uh, on the mercy seat, above the mercy seat where the cherubims with their wings outspread, and this was where the cloud uh, stayed. This is where the presence of God was. In fact, when they put the uh, mercy seat in the temple, this Holy of Holies filled immediately with this cloud, and there became such a presence of God that the priests couldn't even minister. Now, this is the holy place that it was so holy that only the priests, the high priests, could enter in, and that once a year. And he would enter in with fear and trembling. He would, they would have to sacrifice a lamb. They would have to sprinkle him with blood, and they would have to sprinkle all his robes and everything that was going to be used with blood. And he would have to, uh, they would tie a, a rope around his leg and, and bells uh, to him and so forth, so that if he went in there and he died, they could haul him out. Now, <clears throat> this is where the water is coming from. It's coming from the very throne of God. And uh, just like the Holy Spirit, if you look at John 15, 26, you'll find that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So the Holy Spirit comes forth from the Father just as this water here is pictured coming forth from the Father. It's coming out from the Holy of Holies. It's coming out and it's becoming, a, a, it, first it's a trickle, then it becomes a, a a big stream so broad that it can't even be uh, gotten over. As I said, it's coarse. The water, as we look at the course, it's coming, the waters were coming down from underneath the south side of the temple. Uh, the, the south and south of the altar And there's only, the only way uh, these living waters can reach the perishing world was to come by way of the altar. Significant? Because the only way the Holy Spirit could be poured out, it had to come by the way of the cross of Jesus Christ. He was the ultimate sacrifice. There is no other sacrifice. There will never be another sacrifice. Jesus Christ died once for all. And if we want to take, partake of this river of living water that comes out, we've got to come to the cross. And I believe that's where your song comes in this morning. Have you all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Have, have you given everything to Jesus? Because it's at the altar that that outflowing comes, that that Holy Spirit is outpoured.
Hallelujah. And I, when I say that Holy Spirit, I don't mean to be disrespectful because the Holy Spirit is a He. It, it is a, He is a person. But you've got to come to the cross. And we find that, that it wasn't given until after Christ was, sacri uh, was sacrificed, after he suffered and died. Now, I want you to go to Revelation 22, and I'm going to show you in Revelation 22 that in the city to come that's in the heavenlies, we're going to find this same river. Chapter 22 of Revelation, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and from the Lamb. In the midst of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations." And so we see that same river, it's, we see that same almost exact wording that is in Ezekiel 47. This river is for a purpose. This river is for what? The healing of the nations. That's why the Holy Spirit was outpoured. This Holy Spirit was to was to be given of God to lead us into all truth. This, the Holy Spirit is being outpoured that we might have another comforter that will dwell with us forever. This uh, Holy Spirit is our leader and director. He's our comforter. He is the one who wages war against the flesh. And without the Holy Spirit... We can't partake of that peace and that joy and, uh, that we should have. Thirdly, I, I want to look at its force. We've looked at the river, its course, and now let's look at its force. It grew in, in power and it grew in plenitude. And I want you to notice this river didn't have any tributaries. It came out from Jerusalem. There was nothing that could add to it. Uh, you look at most rivers and they start out very small, but there's many, many branches and they all come into one branch. And, uh, well, if you were to look at the Mississippi River, it starts way up uh, north in the United States, and little finger inlets of little creeks and, and streams, they all flow together, and they finally make up the mighty Mississippi. But this river is different. It comes out of Jerusalem, and it starts very small, but there's no tributaries whatsoever. It just becomes a raging river. And I want to tell you right now, there is nothing that can ever add to this stream of living water. The world has nothing to offer. It comes from the throne of God. Hallelujah. 
This stream, uh, like I said, it, it got so big, or it is so big, that it could not be passed over. And it has a, a power. It's powerful. This stream is so powerful that it is for the healing not of the nation, Israel, but it's for the healing of the nations. It's for the healing of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. <clears throat> and everywhere the stream flows, that which was dead comes to life. It goes down into that dead old sea. And all of a sudden, that dead sea becomes prosperous. It becomes a haven for fishermen. And these fishermen are catching fish that were so big that they were the same kind that was caught in the great sea. This becomes a very prosperous thing because it has received of this river that proceeds from God. And in our life, we become prosperous in our spirits as we receive of this river that proceeds from, from the throne of God. It's very fruitful if you look at verses 8 through 12. And the only way that we as Christians can bear fruit is we've got to, we've got to have our being along the banks of this river. We've got to receive the fullness. You notice that the trees over in Revelation, they were planted alongside the river, and everyone brought forth their fruit in season. Well, God has a season for us to bring forth fruit, and our fruit should remain, amen? By their fruit you shall know them. And so we, as we receive, over in another place, Jesus likened himself to the to the vine and where the branches, and just as that vine cannot bear, uh, the branches can't bear fruit of their own selves, but they depend on the vine, so we depend on that stream that flows from the throne of God, and without this living water, we can't bring forth fruit. You can tell whether a Christian is partaking of this living water or not by the kind of fruit he's bringing forth. Look at John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 39, verse 38.
believes in me, Jesus is talking here, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spake concerning what? The Spirit, whom uh, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, it had to come by the way of the altar. It had to come by, by that sacrifice. And that water has been poured forth. And we can be partakers of this great power, this great outpouring. <clears throat> Isaiah 58, verse 11. The Lord is, will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. The strength and strengthen your bones, you shall be like a watered garden. Who's he talking to? Us. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the waste places. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairers of the breach, the restorers of the streets to dwell in. In you, if you turn, here it is, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on, the whole, on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the, the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. See, it's God would make us a, a well-watered garden, but we have got to delight ourselves in the Lord, as it said there in verse 14. And then he's going to cause us to ride on the high places. You, you've got to partake of this water in order to really understand how refreshing it really is. Next, I want to look at the growing experience that this river, depth, the depth and the power of it all. In Romans 8.14, and I'll read it for you, it, it says that we are to be led by the Lord. Romans 8.14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. Now, in my version here, which is the New King James, 
And I believe also in the King James, it says that he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the other side, uh, uh, the outer gateway to the east and so forth. But then it goes on and it says, he brought me through. It says in verse 3 there, he brought me through the waters. The waters came up to my ankles. In the New International Version, it says he led me. And I, I want to I look at that because three times he says he brought me or he led me. He caused me to do something, if you understand what I'm saying. He, he caused me to do it. And he had an experience. After each leading, he had an experience. The first leading was he was led out and he came into the waters and they were to his ankles. Very shallow experience. And I, uh, that means that there was more, there was a deeper place to go to. This was a passing experience. But so far, he'd only gotten in ankle deep. Yet this was the leading of the Lord. He'd gone as far as he could. And I would like to say, this represents the spirit of faith. This first experience represents the spirit of faith. By faith, he took that first step into the waters. You remember when they were going across the Jordan? The, the priests were at the head, and they had the mercy seat, and they, as they stepped into the waters, the waters parted. And here we find that they're taking that first experience. They're sticking their foot into the water. They're now ankle deep. <clears throat> so this is a spirit, a spirit of faith. It's a definite act of stepping in. It's something that you decide to do. Do you remember your first experience of getting into the water? How many here remember the first experience of getting into the, this river of living water? I remember I, I just thought, this is it. In fact, I was so thrilled with what God was doing that I wanted to tell everybody about it. And I went back to my previous church and they were having a service and I heard things there that I'd never heard before. And everybody was sitting there, kind of a dumb look on their face, and I wanted to get up and tell them, come on in, the water's fine. But you know, they didn't understand. They hadn't experienced it. They hadn't gotten into the water at all. And I realized that this is a very shallow experience that uh, God had just begun a work in me. But uh, I was being led. And my pastor said, well, what you have is the, uh, you have the spirit of anxiety. 
but don't worry about it. It'll go away. And I told him, listen, you don't understand. I don't want it to go away. I'm going to follow this spirit wherever it goes. And if it leads back, I'll come back. See, I had had an experience with this stream of living water, and I was determined to follow it wherever it went. And so we see here that our prophet follows the leading of the Spirit. He now goes into the water deeper. And the only way you can get deeper into this river is to go down. I suggest that this next step is the step of the Spirit of prayer. He was in knee-deep. He finally was down on his knees. And although this is the, only the second stage and there's more to come, he'd, he'd gotten past that shallowness. There's more to come. I believe that this is the place where many of us fail, right here at the second step. Because even though we realize there's more, we're too willing to play along the shore. Safe there. You know, the world's right here. And we can play in those shallow pools. And we can splash around in those pools, but there's, we, we don't really have to give our all to it. You understand? And we're just playing games. We're staying along the shoreline. <clears throat> but there's more. And to, to have more of this river, you've got to desire more. You've got to desire to go deeper into this stream. Many of us know we should. And we know the way to get there. We know that we should be hitting our knees up around this altar. The only way you're going to get deeper into the Lord is come back to the altar and begin to proceed as the Spirit leads until you get in deeper than you ever were before. And then that's not the end of the leading. Once you've hit the spirit of prayer, and there's more. In verse 4, he got in up to the loins. Where's the loins? The loins are right here. That's where you get the loin chops from, if you ever butcher anything. That's, the, that's where the tenderloin comes from right along the backbone. It symbolizes the spirit of strength. God has finally got to where the strength of the man lays. The water's right up around the tenderloins. And you'll notice 
that this is the thing that power. And if you want power, you've got to get into the river. You've got to get into the mainstream. And he has gone into this river, and we'll say this is the spirit of power. But if you're in waist deep, there's more of the river showing and less of the man. We need to have an experience where we're into that river far enough where there's less of the man and more of the spirit seen. Amen? Hallelujah. If you're only in ankle deep, you're just making a big show because you're showing more than the spirit is. Let's get in waist deep. Let's get in to where, oh, there's another step, isn't there? Verse number five. Verse number five. And again he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross. Couldn't get across this one. This is the ultimate experience. For the waters was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. There was, this is the ultimate experience. This is when a Christian finally lets go and he lets the river carry him. It's the experience that you experience to where if you don't swim, you're going to sink. You're completely dependent upon the river to hold you up. And we need to get to that point. If we're ever going to bring healing to the nations, we've got to get into the river to this point where we are carried by that stream and we are more a part of the river than we are of the world. I, I believe that this here last step, the swimming, is, is being full, filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe this is the Spirit-filled life, swimming in it. But you know, you can go back to shore again. All you got to do is just lean back, put your hands behind your head, wherever you want. Have you ever seen people float? You notice how they, they just kind of let the water carry them, and they don't do anything to stay a midstream, and where, where's, where are they going to end up? The current will carry you right into shore. You, that's why all the deadwood ends up along the shore. We've got to stay in a midstream. Be ye filled with the Spirit. And it's not enough to say, well, hey, this church was, was we, we were having revival. We were, we were in the mainstream of what God was doing. 
God was pouring out here at Seneca Falls. Well, why isn't he still pouring out? It's because we're letting things drift. We're beginning to drift towards the shoreline. We're becoming more worldly. We're getting away from the solid will of God of being in the middle of the stream. And if you're going to stay filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got to stay midstream. You've got to stay where the power of God is. The power of that raging river is right square in the middle of it. And along the banks, wherever rivers of living water flows, life, life. And we could be a part of bringing life, not death, life. And I'd rather be a part of bringing, uh, bringing forth life than bringing forth death to everything that passes. Amen? God has invited this church to be a part of bringing forth life. But you've got to determine in your heart this morning, I want to get a midstream. I want to get out where the rivers are really flowing. I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to be a part of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I want that more than, than I want my own way in, in my worldly uh, activities. I want this more than I want to argue with my spouse or my uh, children. I want God more than anything else. And I'm going to give God completely all. Have you laid it all on the altar? Have you determined in your heart this morning that you're going to get a midstream and you're going to stay there? See, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit's saying this morning. I believe God's waiting for this church. He's got so much he wants to do. He's just waiting for you. How many here this morning will make a decision to press in there, get, a, get away from the shoreline? Ankle deep isn't good enough for me. I want to get in over my head. I want to get into where the Spirit is all I have to lean on. Where I'm carried along by the Spirit and not just playing games along the shoreline. How many here would, would just raise their hand and say, yes, I want to get into the mainstream? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. 